Hi everybody, Anthony Burrows here for Life and Finances with Sacrifice and Service. Now, I know I've gone missing for about approximately four weeks, but, you know, after doing about, about 50 of these, I just had to take a break. I took a break from a regular day job and then also a break from this. What I did was I took two weeks vacation, went to Atlanta, more or less to deal with my son and, you know, and, and family and all of that and just had a... Great time he did some training while we did some of the other stuff. But while there, oh my goodness, while the southern United States have this pretty color in terms of, um, you know, with the trees and what have you, pollen was in the air like crazy, and man, it messed me up. My eyes was, my, my nose wasn't running, but my eyes caught eternal hell. But, and then, so upon returning home, feeling you know really miserable from the and crappy from the from the pollen finally went to the doctor when i was at home and kind of got some relief with some eye drop and boom voila just like that the thing is while in atlanta i was taking claritin and all the different things benadryl you name it and none of those work and then afterwards i went and got the COVID shot so all of that had me four weeks i'd bring up to that four weeks and with the COVID shot had eh, some some headache which is still to, um friday gone today actually today friday the 7th of of may actually makes it two weeks since i've gotten the shot and i still have slight headaches here and there and it's feel a little lethargic but i'm going to do an entire piece on on the vaccination and all of that but so stand stay tuned for that but today i want to talk about the road to financial recovery that's the road to financial recovery, especially in your personal finances. Now, tell me something. When you look back over your life, are you really where you'd like to be financially and in all aspects of your life? Socially, spiritually, you name it, economically. Are you really where you would like to be? Now, when you think about it again, did you think that you would be where you presently are? In life and you'd be in this present situation for many people now the retirement their retirement is just around the corner and they are nowhere near ready to meet it they have inadequate savings right zero investments they have little to no life insurance or insurance on different things that may, that may be in their possession they have outstanding loans that that they're still stuck with payments. And the funny thing is here now, just to catch, they have more years on their mortgage than they have time left on the job. Is that you stuck in that, just on a, on a, on a Ferris wheel, round and round, and can't seem to get off? And others are in a situation where they're still paying rent, haven't accumulated any assets. And you have a lot of people fall into this category, they're battling health issues diabetes, asthma, hypertension, arthritis, cholesterol, then of course the big C, cancer, and some other ailments. And other things that's known to give us a hard time and pull us down, especially when it comes to our finances. Some people have experienced divorce, or persons who would have been living together and had their finances together, they're separated. And others are shacking up situation or just living together and not planning and structuring their finances to accommodate that because at any day the other one could dart.
And oh man, what happened to a lot of us who get up there and you know, we are older and uh, we have adult children. And some of those are just wayward children eating up our resources, eating up your resources. And the thing is too, sometimes it's not really wayward children eating up your resources. It's just children out there, you know, they're in a situation and they want to live the same lifestyle that you're living and that they grew up with, not really realizing the sacrifice you've paid. And so therefore you are extending help to them. And of course, you got the wayward ones. You got to be paying lawyers and showing up in court. And I had to smile when I saw this in the millionaire next door. And they had this term, EOC. I said, what's that? And it's called extended outpatient care. And this is when you have adult children and you systematically, you know, giving them money each month. Whether it's helping cover their mortgage, cover their rent, cover the children's school fees, maybe a car note, whatever it is. And it's a situation where they are not allowed, so to speak, to be out there on their own because you feel as a parent, oh, you know, I want to help. But many times you got to kick the eagle out the nest and let him fly. I know how it is you'd want to extend a, a helping hand. I understand that. But remember, when the children leave home, there's a process. So let them experience that process and develop their muscle, especially their financial muscle and their financial intelligence muscles. Then you got some of some of you out there, partly why you're not where you are, you're battling addictions. Man, and you know, gambling in our country, well, worldwide, is a dilemma. It's a dilemma because you're putting in, putting in, putting in, and you're not getting out. Then you have drug addictions, alcohol, and other addictions that just financially and socially just pull you back. Then, of course, day-to-day -day living. And you know, day-to-day -day living becomes month-to-month -month living, then year-to-year -year living, and finally, it's a lifetime. And then you say, oh man, where did the time go? What did I do with my money? What did I do with my time? And the thing is, you've been at it for years now, and you still can't get a handle on your finances. But you know what? You are not alone in this dilemma. Here's our situation. I always um, express this. 90% of working Bahamians don't have $1,000 in the bank. And that's after 10 or more years working on a job. Imagine you've put in 10 years or more working on a job, whether it's minimum wage or top wage. And you're in a situation where you still don't have at least $1,000 in the bank. And let's look at some data when we look at the Bahamian masses and their financial situations. I looked at the 2013, which was the last household, um, la yeah, the last household survey in the Bahamas, which was 2013. Now, one of the things when we think of household, right, we'd be like, oh, what is that? Because... You know, it's a funny thing. Sometimes you're just thinking, oh, I live in my house, me and my family. But when you look at the international standard where they get the funding to carry out this um, household survey, it says a household is any, any place where you have one person living alone or a group of people. And the thing is, they don't have to be related, but they're all living at the same address, sharing the same cooking facilities as the kitchen. 
the same living and dining room where they're gonna, you know, spaces and sharing the same bathroom. Now, in 2010, even though the census was in 2013, but um, you have to look at when this population census was done. In 2010, our census stated that there were 351,461 Bahamians. Now, today we had 397,000 and change. And the number of households at the time in the Bahamas was 102,758 households. Now, let's look at some data. Bahamians who fully own their homes. And this is saying, hey, you got a piece of the Bahamian rock. A piece of the Bahamian rock. You're part of the economic situation. Which is usually the basic step. Owning a piece of property. Owning your home. And then maybe getting to rental property. Getting to your business. All of the different ways. All right. So home ownership. Home and land ownership. That's a vital indicator for the economic situation for a country and its people. Now. The home ownership was a situation you had 37,109 persons, households that owned, that fully owned their homes. That's free and clear. And that was 11% of the population at the time. 11% of the population. Ah, I would like to see us get that as a nation, say in another 20 years, up to 50%. 50, you can imagine 50% of Bahamians fully owning their homes, no mortgage, no, no, no renting, no whatever you would call it, right? And a situation like that, what that does now is you have a lot of capital that they'd be able to tap into, whether for businesses or whatever other investments. We need to get that to 50%. Now, mortgages, let's look at that. Off, that, off those households, 24,844 actually were, were in the situations where they were paying mortgage. And that was 7% of the population. So we have to get that up to probably 20-25% in another 10 to 20 years. Now renting, that's, it was 35,844 households were renting. And that was 10% of, of the household population at the time. Then we have rent-free. People who are living, but they are living rent-free. Maybe a parent died, a cousin um, gave it to let them have it, but not own it. And auntie, uncle, whatever, good friend, but they're living rent-free. So if you're living somewhere, you're living rent-free, that's still a tremendous financial advantage because you now have cash that can be freed up for investment and for building assets and building a future for you and your family. And for those to follow now, rent-free, you had 5,665 households or 1.6% of the population. Leasing, and this used to be a common thing in years gone by, but it's not as common anymore. But leasing, the household, 444, which is 0.12%, um, 0.12% of the population. And then other which is 262 or 0.07%. Then you also look at, to get an idea, our economic situation, our health situation of that where we are going, we looked at the eating and drinking part of the household survey. Now, it looked at eating fruits and vegetables, and you know, these are the best food for our health, isn't it? I believe you, just shake your head, I believe you agree with me. Now, 60% of the population say they eat fruits, 
and 58% of the population say they eat vegetables. Hmm. No wonder uh, we're in the dilemma we're in. We got only 60% of the population eating fruits and 58% eating vegetables. So that's like another 40% for fruits um, and then another whew, almost 60%. Well, yeah, yeah let's say 52% for not eating vegetables and which could tell you why the cancers are as high as they are in our Bahamas. But of course it goes deeper than that. And then, so let's go, vegetables, 61% of women say they eat it, and 56% of men say that they eat it. For the fruits, for the fruits now, 64% of the women say they eat, and 58% of men say that they eat fruits. Fruit juices, and, uh, you know, some people choose to get their fruits in the juices, which we know may not be the best way because, you know, you get the sugar spike, anyhow. Fruit juices, 47% of the population say they drink fruit juices. And out of that, fruit juices, are 46% of the women say that they drink and 47% of men say that they drink. Now the big one, let's say sodas. And the thing is, sodas are cheaper than fruit juices and this would catch me. For sodas, 36.3% of the population say that they actually drink soda. Now soda is much cheaper than juices and you figure and it's more readily available so you figure it would be more people drinking it, but to my surprise, so drinking soda now, 34% of women say that they drink it, and 38.9% of men say that they drink it. And then, of course, drinking water, 95.4% of the population say that they drink water. Can you imagine, uh, I wonder what that other 4.6% of the population drink instead of, of water. Then look at the physical activity. This is being physically active for at least 30 minutes, right? And that's any act, any physical activity for at least 30 minutes a day. Of the population, 4.7% of, of, of the population say that they have any physical activity for 30 minutes a day. That's very low. And of that, 4.6% of women and 4.9% of men. So you're telling me not even 5% of our population not active 30 minutes a day. So again, you get the... When you look at the fruits and vegetables, so you got 60% of the population say they eat fruit and 58% say they eat vegetables. And then on top of that, only 4.7% of the population saying that they have any physical activity for at least 30 minutes a day. You can see where the cancers and all the different ailments in our society come from. And this also affects our economic situation because at the end of the day, it all comes down to dollars and cents. Now, when you look at, at uh, physical activity, particular walking and um, at least two to say 2.6 times a, um, a week for at least 30 minutes women say they would do 2.4 days and men say they would do 2.9 days and okay but but i mean still 4.7 percent of the population now thing is catch it catch this here the most active group are those who between 30 and 39 years of age and I guess that's the millennials because I guess they are at a point in life where the weight of the world isn't on them yet so they can find time or they just simply deliberately set time aside for physical activity. Here's another catch. The lowest level of activity, physical activity between the ages of 10 and 19 years old. And that explains the level of obesity among our children. They, they you know, not eating right not having any physical activity so that's the level of obesity and i always say to my son 
when I, you know, when I drop him at school, and I would, I can tell who are the athletes and who are not the athletes on the campus because the athletes they are slim, trim, and fit. All the other students who are not athletes, just, just fat. And it'll be like, you know, for such a young, just such a young generation. I can remember coming up, and what we did growing up in Yellow Elder. Let's say we'd be heading over the SC McPherson to walk over that hill. Over the Blue Hill Hill, if you know it. And um, what'll happen is that we knew that everybody was going to leave home like 8 o'clock. So we would all leave home around the same time, gather at a spot where we'd call the garden, which was a park, a little park in the back area. We'd gather there, and then we'd make our way, head over to SC McPherson, and you just walk over the hill. And the walk probably, hmm... I guess you said to walk at a mile, maybe. Yeah, probably a mile, but of course the hill. But you didn't feel it because you're laughing, joking, running, doing all kinds of things. It'll probably be like 10, 12 of us going. And then the evenings, probably be like 30, 40 of us coming back after school. But children today, everybody get dropped off to school or, or they walk to the corner and take the bus. But even walking to the corner and taking the bus helps. So between 10 and 19 years of age had the lowest level of physical activity and the thing is if you break it down into neighborhoods and socioeconomic groups it'll be rather interesting because you'd see the activity that's reflected in that so for instance you know those persons from wealthy homes that's the homes that have assets and have have you know and have a and yeah they have assets is the bottom line the homes that have assets and as they are going forward they're in a situation where you have, um, how you put it? They have a access to different things, right? And they are normally fit. That's those from the wealthy homes. Because, you know, in the evenings, they have all the extracurricular activity. Some doing horseback riding, soccer, volleyball, uh, swimming, and different things. Tennis, whatever the case, golfing, all that. While the middle class and the lower income asset group they are, well, the middle class set, they tend to be the more obese set because they only have enough money really to maybe, you know, cover the education, cover the home, but they don't have that much that they could put on extracurricular activity. And then, you know, the children in the situation, a lot of times are being spent with, uh, you know, indoors with the, be it the telephone, that cell phone, the, or, or the laptop. Or, you know, whatever it is, the um, gadget they choose to have. Then the lower income and the lower asset, they said who catch the bus, you know, the, the children who would probably catch the bus, that might be your Baintown, um, Grandstown, you know, those areas, the, what we might refer to as the Black Belt. And those children tend to be a little more fit too because, you know, they're doing more physical activity, walking back and forth. And then too, they may not be in a situation where the house is overrimming with food. So it's just one of those things. Now, remember, we are talking about the road to recovery for your personal finances. This is the road to recovery. But I put that in there because this is a vital aspect of having your road to recovery. Now, the turnaround can begin right now, right here, today. First thing you're going to do is conduct what I like to call a life and finances audit. You know what? You may work for companies or work for government entity where they are. Every year you, you see these guys coming and all ladies coming. They have a room in the back somewhere and they got a bunch of 
books and a bunch of boxes and people talking all kinds of things to them and they're doing they are conducting an audit so they are checking the financial health of the institution that you work at whether it's a small business large business a school whatever they are conducting a, a financial audit so it's the same thing for you and your life you conduct a life and finance audit and this really consists of your finances your health and your spiritual well-being now grab a piece of paper or go to your computer use your phone use your laptop use your tablet whatever now financially everything is either an asset or a liability remember assets move you forward liabilities drag you backwards that's just like if you have a person you consider an asset hey, they move you forward person you consider a liability drag you back and on that piece of paper the computer the, the phone the laptop the tablet make a list of all the assets you possess your house the land the savings passive income if you haven't remember passive income is simply having an income and you don't have to push and go out and chaff and work as i was riding coming home today and you ride past the um the laundry mat and you see where they have outside the ice machine guy got the ice machine and water you can come up just pull up get to it plug in your money and then boom the ice comes out you know the bag ice comes out small medium large and you just take it put in your car whatever you or put your five gallon bottle there boom put in the deposit and it fills up that's passive income that's something that whoever owns it they don't have to be there you know charging and and collecting and all of that that's just it's just working for itself so you include so you say the list of that's your house your land your savings your passive income if you have mutual funds if you have government bonds your insurances actually count as an asset also then tally your food expenditure and i count that as an asset even though it's money going out and you go to the bathroom and dump but it it's it's a protection that goes towards longevity and health so you then take also like we're saying your food expenditure and the small business you have and other investments okay so that's making a list of all your assets then you're going to make a list of all your liabilities that's anything you're responsible for fast paying out that's loans rents account payable in the event of a person who, who might own a business warranties offered as a business owner if you have warranties out there that's liabilities then those adult children who are still on your payroll that's the eoc again remember extended out care outpatient care now some persons will say subtract your liabilities from your assets so you may come up with your overall net worth now while compiling the information you're able to identify if you are in the black that's a good spot financially or in the red a bad spot financially then after you would have done that you you will know where you are then the evaluation of your health will consist of these things the single most important part of your health and i always talk about this is your situation with your sleep so you gotta evaluate yourself in terms of hey how well am i sleeping how many hours a night do i normally sleep so you'd evaluate that and to tell you why sleep is the single most important aspect of your health think about it you had three guys three persons in the bible they went 40 days and 40 nights without food and water that's elijah moses 
and Jesus, well, put it the other way, was Moses first, Elijah second, and Jesus, these are the set that's documented in the Bible, right? 40 days, 40 nights, no food, no water. But never was it said that any of these guys went seven days, five days, whatever, without sleep. And it's estimated that if you were to try, would just try to stay up and not sleep, within 11 days, we'll be dead. So the most and the single most important aspect of your health, evaluate your sleep. And if you're in a situation you're not getting the best sleep, um, find out why. Run through your thought pattern. Sometimes too, as you get older, you clear your 40s and 50s, you may not sleep as well, you know. So what you may have to start doing, you may have to start looking maybe a certain cup of tea at nights and then hit bed every time the same time. But that's what I'm saying, the single most important part. So evaluate your sleep. Then evaluate your mobility. Hey, do you, know, can, do you have to walk with cane? Can you stand up for at least one, one hour somewhere by, you know, or can you walk if, say, if only for an hour? So evaluate your mobility. And the thing about mobility, when you look at it, this how I tell you how important that walking and that mobility is. Jesus and his disciples estimated that they walk anywhere from 8 to 12 miles every day. So here it is, plenty sleep, and then they're walking 8 to 12 miles a day. That's for them, not for us. We don't have to necessarily maybe do the 8 to 12 miles, but get out there and do some walking if only for a half an hour to an hour every day if you can. You know, it depends on everyone's level of um, mobility. Then, of course, it comes to your nutritional uh, um, consumption. You gotta, So you're looking at your sleep, you evaluate your sleep, you evaluate your mobility, then you evaluate your nutritional cons nutritional consumption, and you can simply take um go through your cupboard. You know the food, your cupboard, your fridge, your, your and your deep freeze. You know the foods that you buy and what's good and what's not good for you. Evaluate those, right? And then finally, uh, well, with the nutrition, you'll also look at the food and the water consumption that that you would have. And then finally, you'd also then get with a a, a physician, a doctor, somebody. Try and get a regular doctor who you, even if you go into the public clinic, try to go to the same doctor each and every time. Build a relationship with that doctor so that they know you and they identify your medical situation. So as you come through, they pull the file and when they go through it, it's their writing that's in the file. And so do that checkup. And so that's the way of evaluating, getting forward far as that health part is concerned. Now back to when you're looking at your finances, right? If you're in a situation and you have zero assets, you score yourself one to three. That's where you're having no assets, right? Then if you're in a situation where you, can, where you cannot go three months without your job salary coming in, and you have some assets, you put yourself, rate yourself four to six. Now, if you have assets and you can go three months without your job salary, rate yourself seven to eight and that's a good position to be in and then finally if you have assets and you can go up to a year or more without your job salary pat yourself on the back and reach yourself nine to ten and so this is if you're one to three then you're going to try and work up to the point where see when you get to the point where you can go three months without your job salary you're starting to make really good
progress. Then when you get where you can go a year or more, you are really doing absolutely psychodocious, like some people would say, but that's splendid. It means that you have come to a point of financial independence. Now, the thing is too, the best way to get to that is through passive income. Remember, passive income is that income that you're not out there chopping rock to do. Uh, interest on accounts, that's passive income. Collecting rent, that's passive income. Having your business, but you don't have to be there. That's passive income. Like I was saying with the person with the ice machine and the water machine, that those are passive income. So you can, you're free to go and do other things. You see what I'm saying? But passive income comes from acquired assets. And it places one in a position to be free. And if persons who are church-going people, it give you more time to go out there and do God's work. Give you more time to deal with your family. Or if you, if you like to go fishing or go play ball or whatever, it gives you time for leisure. Or if you're simply trying to pursue something that you want to get the society to understand and you might want to get into activism, gives you more time for that. So that passive income is what helps to bring our freedom. And then I want you to remember now, when we say passive income, always remember that there's a difference between having a high salary and having assets. See, high salary is one thing. So you can have the car, the boat, the this, the that, and all the flash. That's having a high salary. But having assets, you have the building here. You have your little business there. You have passive income. You know, you have different things that's generating money for you. And people in those situations, they are not the flashy, flashy because they have to build wealth slowly. And in order to build wealth, you can't be in the flash and the dash. You know what I'm saying? So, for those who are between one and six, all is not lost. Never mind if you are whatever age, 50, 60, 35. And 35 is a wonderful age. At least you got more time to. But even if you're 60, you redouble your effort and you can get back to it. So we, that's right. We're talking about the road to recovery with your personal finances. And so this is where I'm saying it all takes time with your planning. And remember, the way back begins right where you are. Right where you are. And that's what they say. Jesus come to you. Right where you are. Then you have to look at the last item we are saying in terms of your life and finance audit is your spiritual well-being. Ask yourself, when was the last time you went to church or gathered with the group to just to build your spirituality? When was the last time you went, say, reading the scriptures or the Quran, whatever it is you read? When was the last time you were in prayer just talking to the God of heaven? You know, whether you're asking for something or whatever the case, or just praising him. When was the last time you did that? Remember, right here, right now. Lay out a plan. And I like to call the plan the better known as a budget. And the thing is, since you're doing a financial audit, after audit, people always come up with budgets to say, okay, this is how we're going to spend our resources. Remember, your financial resources falls in there as an asset, right? Or a liability. Then you have your spiritual health. That falls into your budget. And then you have your physical health. All that falls into your budget. And the thing is, 
all of these things can be quantified and measured and that's the sum total of your life when you really really look at it so i'm saying budget this is the spiritual health your financial health and your physical health budget that now state in your budget what your financial goals are what your spiritual goals are and what your physical goals are you may be in a situation where you may have to inject insulin maybe twice a day so you want to lay out a goal and a plan that you get to a point where you're going to inject insulin maybe once a day you know what i'm saying and then start somewhere i always remember many many years ago i was probably 18 i'll say about 19 20 and you know i was working at the hilton yeah so probably like 2021 20, as a security officer and at the end of a shift uh overnight shift you know you did 11 to 7 and i saw the one of the officers he was probably in his 40s and heavy set guy and he lifted his he took his a little pouch right look he took out some stuff had a syringe the first time i ever saw a, a, a syringe really and the guy lifted up his shirt and just stuck himself in the fatty cells in his stomach i was like what in the i was like man what in the world is that then he explained to me that he actually had diabetes and as a result he had to do insulin twice a day and you know being young you didn't really know much about it but it was just like oh my goodness what is that then there was another lady she said well hey she had to take tablets every um, once a day so so you'd set that that budget um, goal for your physical health see what i'm saying and you also set that budget goal for your financial health hey this is how much i'm going to set aside in savings and you remember i always say 10 percent in savings you pay yourself first then i say 10 percent in your tithe and if you want to throw a little more for your offering and then 10 percent for investment so really and truly you got 70 percent to live on and you got to try do that it might be tough it may mean laying out and getting a second job whatever it is then you just do that next item with your budget is identify and cut out all the fat all the wastage and all the loose things that don't really belong now it may mean that you may even have to put some bills on hold and if that's the case put the bills on hold and then catch up it all you do is you go and talk to the bank talk to the whatever the the phone company the light people whatever it is talk to them and people will work with you it's nothing like um people knowing what's going on as opposed to guessing what's going on okay then i'll say especially in these COVID times seek out investment opportunities run through your newspaper check online talk with your friends there are there are land out there that's going at rock bottom now there are buildings out there that's going at rock bottom there are other investments just um that that's going at rock bottom and you just have to be vigilant be um diligent and you could follow up and you could find it out there which will then start to accumulate and amass some assets so as i say in this current climate you got lands homes businesses could be gotten at rock bottom price and then something i always like to say oh my goodness read read and read find things and read and build your knowledge base then of course when you already said about laying out your health budget set out also the number of days days that you want to use for your physical activity for walking running then those people who are like over in their 50s 
I always recommend that you begin lifting weights as well as 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 walking, because the lifting the weights just to keep those bones strong and healthy, and to help you maintain and retain your muscle mass, whatever you may have. So these are things that you can have to do. And then when it comes to physical activity, man, build a friendship with somebody, and y'all hold each other accountable. And then I always say again, set aside time for daily prayer, for your Bible reading and study, and then become active in the work of the Lord. So, those are what I was saying in terms of, hey, your road to recovery and your personal finances. Remember, you can do it. If anybody can do it, you can do it. So, until next time, may the God of heaven and his son, the Christ, bless and prosper you.